It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, this is Chris Wilson, and welcome to Fantasy Baseball Live. We're here every Sunday night talking baseball, talking fantasy baseball, talking whatever the heck we want to talk about. And as usual, it's always myself, Rich Wilson, and the great Tim McLeod. Tim, how are you? I am just doing great, Rich, uh, especially now that halftime is over and the football season is over as well. That's even better. i got to tell you, Tim, may, may I embarrass myself here? Uh, yeah, go for it, Rich. I, I'd never stop you from doing that. <laughs> I had never heard of Bruno Mars until a couple of weeks before the Super Bowl. I'd never heard a song of his until the Super Bowl. I mean, I actually kind of liked it. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I was wondering who that Bruno from, from Mars guy was, too, because he's uh, not exactly in my genre, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a halftime of excess. It just sort of, I don't know. The last one I enjoyed was The Who, to be honest with you. So uh, I think the halftime show sort of, in my opinion, sort of goes along with the game. They both stink. Yeah, but boy, I tell you, Tim, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about football, but I, I, I thought Peyton Manning was going to give the Broncos a real good chance to win. And, man, the Seahawks are just destroying them. And we don't have many people out in the interactive chat room, Tim, but I'm assuming they're going to start rolling in here pretty soon. Well, yeah, I would imagine so, because I, I think, uh, for all intents and purposes, this game was over a, a while ago. What I think is rather humor, humorous is if you go back about three, three, four hours or so ago, when everybody was pick, picking their squares and seeing what they got in their Super Bowl pools, well, some poor fool was sitting with Denver at zero and crying about his lost investment, and he's going to be the richest guy in the land. <laughs> very, very good, Tim. It's uh or if you had the, the number that ended in five, who would have thought that that would have won you money or ended in two? So it's kind of goofy with that first play uh, with a safety, I believe it was, and uh, kind of led to this bizarre scoring that we've had. But I'm, it's just amazing. The Seahawks are just literally destroying Denver. Yeah, it reminds me of some of those games back in the 80s that were over very, very, very quickly. I think San Fran ran up the score in a couple of those, if I'm not mistaken. I think Jerry Rice ended up with a whole mess of touchdowns in that one game. and uh, Well, you know, like I said, the good thing is it's it's over. It's done. It's time to get on with the important things in life, Rich. Baseball. And that, and that is baseball, Tim. And, and as you know, the, the, the end of this week, I believe the 6th and the 8th, we have uh, pitchers and catchers reporting for the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. And then next week, Timmy, a week of 10 days from now, dude, we got all catch, uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been a long but a great off season and it it's it's nice that anticipation that it's just so close and before you know it we're going to we're going to be seeing exhibition games 
finding out how everybody who supposedly is in the best shape that they've ever been in actually is. Uh, it looks like we're the interactive chat. We're starting to get a couple of people. The great uh, main skin is out there. And, guys, i got to tell you, you know, and, 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 and this is all him, Tim, is mm. he's got this Facebook group going. He named it after our show, which I appreciate, mm. or after my site, Fantasy, um, was it Prospect361.com and Dynasty mm. League group. He's up to over 150 people. And i got to tell you, Tim, the discussion there is, is actually really good. Yeah, I've been kicking in with my thoughts here and there and posting the odd picture from the AFL that I took. And, yeah, I'm real impressed. It's a very active group, uh, lots, of, lots of participants, lots of good questions. Uh, hats off to Alan. Uh, great job. And I'm sure with the caliber of people that are partaking, it's going to be sustainable, which is even better. So, guys, if you, it's just not Dynasty League stuff, guys, but if you're interested in joining leagues and joining Dynasty Leagues in particular, there's a lot of people out there starting them. It's a, it's a Facebook group. Again, it is prospect361.com Dynasty League group. So just type that into Facebook, and it'll take you right to it. And, guys, if you want to get a hold of us, the best way to do that is on Twitter, at TimothyLMC, at TimothyLMC for the great Tim McLeod, and, of course, myself, at RichWilsonFSG, at RichWilsonFSG. If you want to go out and rate and review us, best way to do that is on iTunes. Tim, we're up to 114 uh, comments out there, and most of them are really positive. Got a couple. Mm. One guy told us we were boring. I, 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 I think we're boring sometimes, Tim, but uh, most people actually like the stuff. So, you know, yeah. if you want to go out and say whatever you want to say, just go out and tweet us. And even my wife was mildly impressed, I will say, this weekend when she was mm. looking at iTunes, and she said, do you realize that your name is intermixed with all the ESPN properties and like your show is rated like way more popular than most of the CBS and ESPN shows? And I said, you see, I'm not the loser you thought I was. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I can sort of relate because when you talk about the boring thing, every time I ca- talk to Kathy, she reaffirms that, Rich, so I know where you're coming from. <laughs> Absolutely. Timmy, we got a couple of questions uh, throughout the week, and the first one I'm going to throw out, Tim, because we're going to talk before. Let me, before we get into that, Tim, just let me repeat, kind of recap what we're going to be doing. So today, primarily talking about starting pitchers. Uh, last week on Thursday, Tim, we did a two-hour show on prospects, if you want to go back and listen to that great last sunday we did a two-hour podcast on our on our um, mock draft uh tim we're not doing that's four hours in one week that is a record for both of us we're going to do about an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half tonight but we're going to be primarily talking about starting pitching ah sounds good rich and you know if by chance we go over that clicking sound you hear at about 91 minutes that would be me okay (laughs) okay good but tim (laughs) we are going to play a game and you Ooh, don't know game. about this, Tim. Like we're going to play a game, and you are the prime participant, Tim. And I'm just going to tease yourself and everybody else. It okay. is it is based on the great Monty Hall, of course, the Canadian Monty Hall, and mm. Let's Make a Deal. Tim, you remember that show from the uh, when we were kids? Oh man, I always took the curtain and got that stupid uh, donkey in the barrel. Like I, I was a loser at that, Rich. I, I really was, but I do recall. So if you're picking this up on iTunes and you're listening to it, you might want to go to the end of the show because there will be potential, Tim. If you, again, it's up to you because you're the one playing Let's Make a Deal. I'm playing Monty Hall. If you decide Let's Make a Deal, one or two of our listeners might have a chance to play the game along with you in a couple of weeks. That's all I'm going to tease with, Tim, but we're playing Let's Make a Deal. Sounds good. I am ready to rock, Rich. 
Okay, a couple of keeper questions. Let's start it off. Uh, Rich, love the show. Wondering if you could answer a keeper question, either via email or on the show. 12-team Yahoo League, five keepers, six hitting categories, five pitching cats, all standard except OPS is the extra hitting cat. Obvious keepers, I think, are Kershaw, Adam Jones, and Kipnis. So need two more from uh, Ian Desmond, Jay Bruce, Jose Bautista, and Josh Donaldson. Yeah, that that for me is a very, very easy one, Rich. It's got to be the first two guys on the list, and that's Ian Desmond and Jay Bruce. Uh, I can see the... The allure behind Batista and Donaldson, but when you look at Desmond and Bruce, they've got solid track records, a solid history of producing Desmond at shortstop, Bruce in the outfield. Uh, those would be my two, and it's not even close. So, so Timmy, even with third base being at such a premium this year, you would take Ian Desmond over Josh Donaldson? Yeah, I I would, because I don't think shortstop has a glut of talent either, and when you look at Desmond, you're looking at a 2020 guy in the middle infield. Uh, that's solid production. Uh, it would be nice to know what other options are there at third base, but I, I think the combination of Desmond and whoever he gets would be better than Donaldson, and looking at it that way. Yeah, I agree, Tim. And, and what he didn't include it was Bill uh, tweeting, at Let's Go Mets 15, at Let's Go Mets 15. Um, he didn't tell us, Tim, if it was just the first – uh, six guys uh, or five guys off the top, or did he get a chance to keep them in the round they were drafted? So let's play the game, Tim, that let's just assume it was in the round that they were drafted. So let's assume uh, Ian Desmond has a, a fifth round uh, value and Josh Donaldson has a 16th round value. Does that make any difference? Yeah, that sort of changes the game a little bit for me. I, I would, uh, when you start talking uh, mid-teens on Donaldson, yeah, I would definitely take Donaldson under those circumstances. But all things being equal, if they're just slotting into the uh, – I, I took it from the perspective that they were slotting into the first five rounds of the draft. So based on that, Desmond Bruce, if Donaldson's mid-teens, yeah, you've got to go for him there. Yeah, Tim, and uh, just to let you know, Donaldson last year was uh, picked 394. So, I mean, potentially if you picked Josh Donaldson last year in a 12-team league, Tim, I can't even count that high. That's in the 20s, right? So, uh, Yeah, you, that's far enough up there that you're keeping him. Uh, you might not even have a slot to keep him in, Rich. It's that high, high up the charts. So, Timmy, what, do you, what is your strategy uh, when you have a keeper league where you can keep it in the round in which the guy was drafted, or let's say gets you know, a two- or three-round uh, inflation every year? I mean, and you've got like a um, – let's say you've got a Mike Trout in the first round, but you've got a, a Josh Donaldson in the 20th round. I mean, what's your strategy on that? I mean, when do you know to go deeper and keep the guy deeper versus some guy in the first couple of rounds? I think the key is assessing and evaluating the talent. That's, you know, it doesn't really matter what round you keep a guy in. Uh, you know, hey, I've got Doc Holliday in round 14 this year. Well, <laughs> so what? <laughs> you know, the talent is, is where it's at. And once you evaluate the talent, then look relative to the draft slot and where there are opportunities, take advantage of it. But the big thing is that talent has to be there. And in my mind, it will always override a potential bonus situation, uh, all things being equal. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you for the most part, Tim, but I, I do believe um, 
that it's best to go with the guys later in the draft because, you know, let's again, let's say Josh Donaldson, a 20th round pick. There's nobody. I mean, it's a lottery pick in the 20th round pick, and you just hit on somebody. And I probably would rather keep Mike Trout than Josh Donaldson, but, you know, maybe a Jose Bautista in the third round, I'd rather keep a Josh Donaldson. So I, as a tennis, my strategy, Tim, is to always take that guy that's going to get you 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases, or something like that, that you get really late in the draft, and those are the guys I'm generally keeping. Yeah, I, I agree totally. It's, but, you know, again, you've got to look at the talent factor, and I, I'm not going to keep a guy on spec simply because I got him at the right place. The talent has to be there, and then you can go from there, Rich. True. Uh, like Aaron Hicks, which is our next question from Andrew Ooh. David. Thoughts on Aaron Hicks? I'm in a 20-team dynasty and have Adam Jones as my center, field, center fielder for the foreseeable future. I'm not sure what to do with Hicks. Obviously, I thought... Uh, I wouldn't get much for him after last year. So do you think he'll eventually become a solid player, or do you think I should move him as soon as he gets to show signs of life, if he does? We haven't talked a lot about Aaron Hicks, Tim. This is a guy that's got uh, tremendous tools, uh, probably could be a pitcher. He could throw the ball about 94, 95 miles an hour. In fact, there's a lot of people who think he should just get, go to the bump and give up trying to hit. But the guy can fly. He can play a great outfield. The problem is, Timmy, he can't hit. Is Aaron Hicks, a guy that we're ever going to see become even a serviceable Major League Baseball player? I think, you know, he's heading into his age 25 season, but we haven't really seen any development in the, in, in, you know, in his strike zone judgment the past couple of years. Obviously, last year he was rushed, he wasn't ready, and, and it showed in the numbers. Went, went back down to the farm and nothing, nothing changed. Uh, my opinion on Hicks is, uh, you look at the, you look at the big league club. Buxton is, uh, I would say, the center fielder of the future. Is that a fair assessment, Rich? Yeah. So Aaron Hicks, Tim, has this year to do something. Otherwise, he's going to be buried because either exactly. uh, By- Byron Buxton is going to be up sometime later this year, as we talked about uh, last mm-hmm. Thursday, Tim, or for sure sometime in 2015. So, as uh, George Allen used to say, old football coach with the uh, Washington Redskins, the future is now. So, Aaron Hicks, you got to turn it around, Timmy, but I don't see it, man. I don't, I don't either, Rich. He, he simply, uh, his strike zone judgment is not at, at a level where I, I believe it's going to lead to success. So, uh, what I would do is, hey, you've got him now. You're basically stuck in a dynasty format. Sit on him, and if by chance he does show any signs of life and you find a believer out there, make a move. Tons of tools. Obviously, the eight home runs, nine stolen base with only 281 at-bats. That shows what he could potentially do. I mean, that's potentially a 2020 guy, but 70% contact rate tells all the story. He just can't. He can catch up to, to premium uh, velocity, Tim. He can't hit the curveball, and that's, that's, been, that's been his problem all along. Well, sure it has, and last year did nothing to help the situation uh, simply because I think uh, now you're also dealing probably with a confidence issue. Uh, Mainskin saying, isn't he Borjo? Could they land a young starting pitcher for centerfield needy playoff team? And uh, I, I just don't think Aaron Hicks has got any value at the moment. I think everybody else is saying he can't hit. Put him on the bump. <laughs> that's I mean, that's that's the general sense in the industry. So maybe he turns it around. I mean, again, he's got Carlos Gomez. All those guys that you can start to look at. 
you know, who are late bloomers, who have all the tools, uh, Timmy, you can talk back to Carlos Gomez, who finally turned it around at what, he was 26 years old or something like that. And right. Aaron Hicks could be the same kind of guy, but boy, I don't see it. Yeah, you're right. He he could be. He could develop late. But how long how long do you wait wait for that before you make a move? Each and every year, we see what a thousand fifteen hundred kids drafted every June, uh, and the game doesn't stop for anybody, including Aaron Hicks. There are going to be people challenging him from you know able in the next year, you know, moving through the Minnesota system. So uh, it's it's all on the line this year, and I just don't don't see it, Rich. Timmy, there's another one on here that I put. I didn't tell you about it, but you did see the tweet this evening, and I think it's a fun one to talk about because it, it does tee a little bit up to our starting pitchers. And it's from Brett P., who, who he tweets at us a lot. Can you talk about Jose Quintana? Is there room to grow? Question mark. Seems like a guy who gets it. And, Tim, you said something to the effect you've written an entire dossier about uh, Jose Quintana. So I'd like to pick your brain a little bit with Jose Quintana. I mean, just real quickly, BrooksBaseball.net uh, says average uh, fastball velocity is 91 miles an hour, which is pretty good. It's a little bit better than a command and control pitcher. He's not a strikeout machine, seven and a half strikeouts over the year, but he really did strike out a lot more guys in the second half, Tim. He's always had pinpoint control in the minor leagues, but was never really considered much of a prospect as he's going through the system. But a guy who really turned it around his last year in double A, and then when he came up with the White Sox, really started to put together really nice mechanics. There might be something there, Timmy. Well, you know, uh, right now, if you take a look at the NFBC list, he's currently going off the board in the 75th spot. Last year in his rookie year, he had the 42nd best ERA pitching for the White Sox in that park. 164 Ks, we saw an improvement in the second half. I think what we have is, is a pitcher that's grossly undervalued that I think can possibly top the 180K mark this year. Uh, decent peripherals right across the board. Uh, I really like uh, Quintana, especially in re- you know, relation to his draft spot. I think there's upside there. And I'm all over him. I own him in two leagues, and I'd own him in more if I could. Yeah, Timmy, I, he's the kind of pitcher that 75th slot, I, I'd get him a little bit earlier than that just to make sure I got him on my team because I mean, he is set up. If you take a look at everything he's done, his swing and miss in the strike zone has been real positive. He's getting some swing and miss uh, with his curveball, which is nice. You like to see that. And, again, that, that control that he has is very, very positive. And when you see what you did in the second half, I mean, he's shown it for a three-month period of time that this guy can be a – 350 sub 350 ERA pitching in that ballpark in the summertime. Sign me up, Timmy. Oh yeah, I'm I'm all over that one. Uh, you know, uh, am I going to take Lance Lynn at 52 or am I going to take uh, Quintana at 75? Uh, no doubt in my mind. I, like I said, I really like the kid and I think he's got I think he's got a great future as a number three, possibly as high as a number two starter. It's interesting with Lance Lynn, you bring that up, Tim, and, and we probably won't dive deep into Lance Lynn, but I have done a, that in the past. I used to own Lance Lynn in the Dynasty League, and when okay. I had a chance to get rid of him, I think to the great Tony Sincata a couple years ago, I moved him, moved him fairly quickly, and nothing has changed with his um, 
with the one problem he has, and it's it's not right on right, Tim. It's right on left. So he's got a he's got an arm side. He's got a, excuse me a glove side problem. So lefties tee off on this guy, which basically indicates his curveball or his slider is not very good. So uh, if you take a look, his splits, his reverse splits in particular, are not very good, which is a very very disconcerting type of thing. And uh, left-handers, he walks left-handers, and they tee off on him. Yeah, no, I, I hope we've helped our friend in Long Lack. Oh, he's a fellow Northern Ontario lad, by the way, Rich, the guy who tweeted the question. So uh, hope, hopefully we, uh, I managed to help my fellow Northern Ontarioian. <laughs> okay. I didn't know there was such a thing. Tim, let's move on to uh, – before we, we're going to review just a little bit of outfield before we get into starting pitcher because there's a couple mm-hmm. things we didn't cover last, uh, last time, Tim. But we did have – one signing, and then the signings, Tim, the, it's getting a little creepy out here. The, we're talking pitchers and catchers reporting the next two weeks. Nelson Cruz is still out there. Ubaldo Jimenez is still out there. But Matt Garza finally found employment. It looks like with the Brewers. I don't think it's official yet, but it's being reported four years, $50 million. His career uh, stat line, Tim. 3.84 ERA, a 7.62 strikeout per nine, a 2.99 walk per nine. Sounds a lot like Jose Quintana, if you take a look at that, which is pretty interesting. Um, what do you think of, of him moving to, uh, to Milwaukee? I mean, what can we expect from him in 2014? Um, I like Garza, if he can stay healthy. Uh, there always seems to be issues somewhere with Garza and health. Uh, at least that's the way I perceive it. Uh, I think we're going to see more of the same. Uh, I think he's a good number three pitcher, but I'm not expecting anything more than that. I know anticipation has always been there that he's going to take that next step, but I, I think he, I think we should be looking at what he is, is what he is, and ignore that uh, next step potential. Yeah, uh, it's. Um, I kind of agree with you, Tim. It's a guy that always seems to go overlooked in fantasy but Tim you can't deny that his his stat line is pretty dead nuts on he's a slightly better than league average guy but I don't like him in Milwaukee it's a bit of a hitter's park so I don't know Tim I'm probably going to pass on him like I always do yeah I'm probably I'm probably going to do the same unless he ends up in a real good uh, in a real good slot and I, I don't see that happening because there are going to be people out there who are going to believe a little bit more than I. I, I do find it interesting, though, when you, when you start looking at the Brewers' rotation. With him slotted in there, uh, I guess that means uh, good old Mr. Peralta might be heading back to the minors? Tim, I don't know. I mean, he's got at least got a live arm for that team. Uh, who else is out there? So, uh, uh, do you know? Oh, yeah. you got Gallardo, mm-hmm. and you got Kyle Loesch. Mm-hmm. you got you got Garza, you got Estrada, you got Peralta, and then there's a big question mark in Tyler Thornburg. Is it going to be Peralta or Thornburg? Yeah, you're right. It's uh, probably Peralta. I mean, but I would th- I think Estrada is still a guy that's uh, going to over uh, that's going to pitch beyond his draft position. I still like him a lot. Ivana Gallardo, Tim, I've done a lot of research this weekend. And by the way, just tee up for next week. I've taken <laughs> I did the ADPs of the of the first 400 players. ADPs of NFBC last year versus NFBC this year, Tim. I did all kinds of number crunching to try to find out anybody who was taken in the first two round, ten rounds last year, this year, 
has dropped at least three rounds, and Ivani Gallardo is at the top of the list. He's a guy, I can't remember exactly where he went, but he's gone like 100 slots lower this year than he did last year. Yeah, I'm not shocked at that at all. He was he was a, what, fifth, sixth, seventh round starter uh, heading, you know, looking at heading into last year. And the numbers that I'm seeing on Gallardo now have him so far off the charts, uh, he might not as well be even listed for the most part. He's just fallen off like a rock. Yeah, so, so we're going to talk, Tim, next week, and I've broken down into kids, middle-aged guys, and elderly guys, and I think Ivani Gallardo goes into the middle-aged category. We're going to be mm-hmm. taking a look at, have they dropped too far? Is there now value there? I don't want you answering that question on, on Gallardo, but this year, a 267 ADP last year. Tim, believe this, last year, an 84.62 was his ADP. He's dropped over 12 rounds. Yeah, no, I can see that. Each and each and every year we get that uh, bright, shiny bobble, the new face, the unlimited, unbridled potential sitting there. And, you know, quite often I think with players coming off bad years, there is opportunity there simply because of that fact. Uh, they get a little bit lost off the radar. And, you know, you, Matt Cain is a prime example. Uh, what, what do you do with Matt Cain this year? He had a bad year last year. Are we expecting more of the same uh, potential for a bargain there, I believe? Yeah, Matt Cain is also on my list. Timmy, uh, this year 103, last year 43. He's gone down four rounds. So that's what we're going to do, Tim. He's in the middle age category as well. I think I've got six guys in the in the youngsters, seven guys in the middle age, and then three guys in the elderly category. So we're going to talk about 15, 16 guys next week. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think we're going to find some guys in there, Timmy, that, boy, they've gone too far. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know what concerns me even more than that is you're talking middle age, and these guys are in the twenties. Where does that leave us? I know, us, I know it's an ancient. <laughs> after watching Bruno, all of our own. Yeah, after watching Bruno Mars, I, I felt very, very ancient. So uh, anyway, Timmy, let, let's let's hit some of these outfield questions that we did not okay. get to last week. No, two weeks ago. That's when we talked about outfielders, and we talked about young guys that were going pretty early. Let's talk about some older guys that uh, maybe that are going later, and I just kind of want to talk about these guys, Tim, and whether they've dropped a little bit too far. The first one is Curtis Granderson. He's obviously gone from the crosstown from the Yankees to the Mets. Tim, you don't like the, the uh, park that he's in, but the 10th round, is there value in Curtis Granderson in the 10th round? Yeah, I, I think there is. I, I think he's still capable of hitting 25 home runs. He can, he'll still steal double digits, low stub, double digits. The batting average, I think, has to be a concern. But when you look at where he's going, ahead of him you've got, you know, Leonis Martin, Shane Victorino, uh, Alfonso Soriano, who's not getting any younger, Evan Gaddis. You know, I, I think there's potential for him to climb over and above several people uh, when the end result's uh, clear as a bell. Tim, I, I, you got the over-under at 25. Is that where you're, you got his home run at? Yeah, I, I think he can hit. I won't take it. If I was betting, no, I would say 22-23, but I think he can hit 25. Yeah, I was going to uh, I was going to set it at uh, 25 and take the under on that. I'm kind of with you, Timmy. I'm right around 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. 214 at-bats last year, still hit 15 home runs. So he was still going at a, uh, I'm sorry, seven home runs. He was, he was going at a fairly nice little clip. But uh, I think the, the days of 43, 41, if you go back to uh, – Detroit, 
22 home runs, 23 home runs. He did have that breakout year when he was 28 years old with 30. But, Tim, 33 years old as well. So 22-23 sounds about right to me. And, uh, again, taking a look at his contact rate, which has never been good, I think that batting average has got a lot of pressure on it. Yeah, I I agree totally. In the 10th round, yeah, there's a little bit of upside there. Uh, but I, I certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't be rushing to pick him out. He'd be, he, I think he's going to be one of those players that sits about where he sits. So I don't think you're going to have to move any earlier on him, that's for sure. Nelson Cruz, another guy, goes in the 11th round, Tim, and he doesn't have a home. Uh, we don't know where he's going to go. It sounds like the most logical place, if Robinson Cano can have his way, would be the Seattle Mariners. So let me play a little what-if game. If he goes to Seattle 11th round, if he goes back to Texas for a pillow contract, a one-year pillow contract, is the 11th round value? Uh, I like that value in the 11th in Texas, not so much in Seattle. Uh, uh, I, I think if he goes to the Mariners, uh, I think you could probably bump him down a little bit more before we get into uh, a comfortable zone, at least one for me anyways. Yeah, Tim, he's old too. He's 33 years old. So this is, mm-hmm. uh, this is a guy that's definitely not on the right side of 30. And most people don't realize this, particularly if you're relatively new to baseball, Following it, I mean, Nelson Cruz was in the minor leagues forever. He finally came up at 27 and had a couple of monster years, off and on injuries, a lot of hamstring problems, just an okay defensive outfielder. So I don't see him getting a long-term contract, I think two or three years tops. But I think he might go back to Texas in that pillow contract. I just don't see where he's going to go. Yeah, and you know what? They do have a they do have an open slot in the DH position, which is the best position to see Cruz in. It really is. He's not a great outfielder, and if he can scoop, a, he's going to stay in the American League. I, I think there's no doubt about that, Richard. Carl Crawford, Timmy, uh, is going in the uh, where's he going in the thirteenth round. Now, I I was really high on Carl Crawford last year, but uh, he's actually was going higher last year. He was going actually three round, four rounds higher last year. Uh, Carl Crawford, it feels like a little bit of value there, unless you don't believe that he has full-time gig there as they've got four outfielders. Yeah, I think with Crawford, it's all about the health. And if he can stay healthy, uh, which is a long shot at best, uh, I think when you start looking at the 13th round, I definitely think there's value there because you're looking at players going ahead of him like Torrey Hunter, George Springer, who we both stated, or, you know, we're convinced he, we're not going to see him until June. Uh, Christian Yelich, uh, Nelson Cruz, Austin Jackson. Uh, I think there's value uh, with Carl Crawford there. Just be fully cognizant of the fact that you might be looking at a guy who could get 350 to 400 at-bats in that outfield. Now, why would, just because it's crowded, Tim, you don't think he'll get the 450 at-bats? I think if he stays healthy, he will. But when was the last time Carl Crawford stayed healthy for a full season, Rich? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, 2010, he had 600 at-bats. 2009, he had 606. I mean, we're getting three years ago, Tim. I mean, 2011, 506, so that was mostly healthy. So, I mean, the last two years, it's been a little trying for him. But if you take a look at his underlying stats, I mean, he's never been able to take a walk. So last last year, 6% walk rate. uh, Previous, he's always been in single digits, but he makes great contact. 81, 85%, something like that. Uh, uses yeah. his speed very wisely, hits a lot of balls on the ground. Um, I, I don't think we'll ever see the 18, 19 home runs again, but I could definitely see 10 home runs, 20 stolen bases out of him. 
Yeah, I don't have any problems with those numbers either. That's why I think at that draft spot, I, I think there's upside potential. Yep, I agree. But I think the days of uh, 50 stolen bases, 60 stolen bases in 2009, 47 stolen bases in 2010, 10, 10, I just don't see that coming back. I, I think 2025 is your, you know, if you're, you're keeping a spreadsheet of your draft, Carl Crawford, pencil that in, no more. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if you're looking for 50 stolen bases out of Crawford, you're looking at 2014 and 2015. Tim, it's hard to say what PEDs do for a player or don't do for a player, but it sure looks like with Melky Cabrera, they played a big role. This is a guy who's now going in the 18th round. Maybe he has some value there, but Tim, maybe he is the Melky Cabrera that he was in the Yankees or that year in, in Atlanta, not, not when he was with the um, Kansas City Royals. What are your thoughts on Melky Cabrera? Well, right now he's going three slots ahead of Oswaldo Arcia. Uh, I see a problem there. Uh, he's going in the same round as Cowboy Cole. I see another problem there. I no, look at players. I, may, may, I, may I interrupt, Tim? You, you, I, now I know you like Cowboy Cole. I know you like the name. Right. He ain't no good, Tim. Come on, really? What you're you? really gonna you're really gonna tell me Cowboy Cole is a guy that you're really expecting a lot of this year? I'm expecting. 15 to 20 home runs, and I'm expecting double-digit steals, and I'm expecting a 290 batting average. I think he's going to score some runs. I definitely think he's a value pick, and uh, there's the potential for even more. You take a look at his minor league numbers. They've always been solid. He makes good contact. I like Cole Calhoun. I really do, and I, I think he's a great value pick where he's sitting right now. Wow. All right. Well, Tim, we're going to, we might have to do a bet on that. I, I'm going to do some research this week about Cole Calhoun and see if I can come up with a bet given that. Now, what did you say? 15 home runs, double-digit stolen bases, and a 290 average. Yeah, I think you're looking at 15 to 18. I think you're looking at 12 to 15 stolen bases and a 290 batting average. Okay. Well, let me do some research on that, Tim, and come back and... Uh, I don't know, man. I, 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 got, I got to think about that one. But back to Melky, so... Not worth it in the 18th round, or is, is, is this a guy that uh, he might, Tim, really be more injured than we think, given what he did to his body for all those years? Well, on top of that, he had, a, I believe it was a tumor removed from near his spine last year, Rich, uh -huh. and, you know, who knows how long that was affecting his play. I think one of the, one of the problems with Melky Cabrera is if you look at his stats, he's really only had one really good year in his whole career. You know, his high in home runs, uh, 18, followed by a 13 and an 11, and that's over an eight-year career. I, I think Melky in the two-hole, yeah, I think he might be able to hit 10 home runs, maybe drive in 50, score 75 or 80 with eight to 10 stolen bases. But I, I think a lot of people look at his value, and historically, he really hasn't been a good ball player, Rich. He, he hasn't, Tim, except for those couple of years where he was able to do what he was able to do in San Francisco that magical year, mm -hmm. and then he got caught, and he still got a lot of money. Uh, Tim, I don't see the power, man. I just, I just do not see the power at all, and I, I think he's a bit of a slappy hitter. I think he'll be a doubles hitter again, mm -hmm. um, and we'll see. I mean, the, the, the batting average could be you know, fine, 260, 280. I mean, it's a slightly above average hit tool, but I, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a bit of an empty, uh, empty batting average. Yeah, I agree, and when you look at where he's going relative to some younger players that have upside potential, I'll always go with the upside potential, always. Okay, um, so Tim, the, the next question, and I don't want to read out all 
uh, players past 60, but the, we've got 40 of them listed here. We went all the way up to 100. So I'm asking for a couple of players with an ADP of 60 and beyond that you really like the draft slots. And I'm going to tell you one that you can't do, and that's the great uh, Cole Calhoun, who I think is at 61 or 62. So I know that's one of your guys, 61. So give me a couple other guys that say Cole Calhoun that you like. Well, yeah, I'll already cross him off the list, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Very good call, Rich. Very good call. Uh, I'm not going to mention the, uh, another guy that I just mentioned as well, and that's Oswaldo Arcia. I, like I love Oswaldo Arcia this year. I really do, Tim. I think the guy's got more power than he showed last year. He can absolutely hit. He has no speed. But I think this is going to be a guy who's fifth or sixth. I think you're looking at some run production there. And I think you're looking at 20-plus home runs. I agree. I can I can see a low twenties, eighty plus RBI season, and I think the batting average is definitely coming up. He, he's too good a hitter to be hitting two forty, two fifty. Yeah, I mean his, I his contact his contact was terrible last year, and he's I've seen him play live a couple times in the minor leagues, and man, the guy can flat out make contact, and he was swinging missing. So I expect that to improve. Right. So we'll skip those two guys, seeing how we just covered them, anyways. And I'm going to go with. Uh, a guy coming back off a, 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 an injury-filled year, and Cameron Maben. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're looking for a deep pick, he did steal 40 bases not all that long ago. Um, if Maben's healthy, I, I like where he's going. And if you're looking for more speed, there's a guy in Kansas City named Dyson. He stole 34 bases last year in limited playing time. Uh, again, there's an opportunity sitting with Dyson to pick up some cheap speed. Kelly Johnson qualifies in the outfield uh, you know, when you start looking at New York, Kelly Johnson, I think, is another great pick, Rich. I think Kelly Johnson's going to be a really sneaky pick. I think I mentioned it at some point in our, our show, Tim, by the All-Star break. Don't be surprised that Kelly Johnson's got 13, 14, 15 home runs playing for your New York uh, your New York Yankees. And if you take a look at his swing mechanics, he dips his shoulder. He's always been a guy who tries to yoke the ball out. I think he's going to be able to yoke the ball out of Yankee Stadium, Tim. I don't think the average is ever going to be anything to write home about, but I think he's going to be yoking some balls out. Well, and, you know, where he's going uh, in the big scheme of things right now, 81st outfielder off the board, going to qualify at third base, another spot where there's not a, a huge amount of talent. Uh, you're going to take that power, sacrifice the batting average, and be very happy. Tim, what about Lorenzo Cain, who's sitting at 77? I think you said Dyson and not Cain, but I mean, Lorenzo Cain's always had, always been one of those guys, particularly in the minor leagues, that everybody said, gee, man, you, you, this is a guy that's going to be able to put it, put it all together. He's got the speed, but he just never has. Yeah, I'm looking at Kane and I'm looking at Dyson as being in a platoon situation. And if I've got to look at those two players in a platoon situation, I want the one that's going to give me the most bang for my buck. And Kane might hit for better average. Uh, he might be a better all-around ball player, but Dyson's going to give me, I figure, at least 25, 30 stolen bases. I'll take the cheap stolen bases over the well-rounded 300 at-bats, maybe, Rich. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, Tim, there's another guy. A couple other guys I want to talk about really, really okay. late. Justin Ruggiana. Done. No place for him in the end. You've got uh, you've got Christian Yelich. You probably have Marcelo Suna. And you've got the big boy out there, Giancarlo Stanton. Does Justin Ruggiana, does he just kind of fall off the wayside, Some like, like a lot of guys that came up and had a pretty decent rookie year? He's in Chicago, I believe, Rich, isn't he? Oh, he is? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think, he's, I think he's in Chicago. So, yeah, he might get some at-bats there, uh, so, uh, you know, spelling off the, the great junior lake. 
<laughs> That's true. We could talk about Junior League. Boy, I, I, I'm surprised I missed that. I, I, he must. What trade did he go in, Tim? I don't remember that. Uh, I can't remember specifically, but uh, I was just going through the outfield rankings, so I'm pretty sure he's in Chicago right now. Yeah, he is. I'm looking at, flat out looking at Justin Ruziano, center field, Chicago Cubs, and I sit there and talk about him being. So, yeah, I guess he could get some opportunity there. So the last guy I want to talk about, Tim, definitely has the playing opportunity, and you're always big on playing opportunity. Coming in at number 91, you can get this guy in the 27th round, so he's yours in any draft you want to put him in. Ryan Ludwig. Yeah, you know, hey, he can still head. It's a question of how long is he going to stay healthy. Uh, there's definitely an opportunity there, especially going as late as, as he is. But Ludwig's no spring chicken. He's got to be closing on ooh, 35. 36. He's only 35. Huh? Yeah, well, a little younger than Only 35, yeah. And another guy that hasn't had over 500 at-bats since 2008. And again, another guy that was – old coming into the league, right? He didn't really get full-time at-bats really until that 2008 season. If you recall, he kind of blew on the scenes, 37 home runs, and has kind of been injury-prone a little bit. Never like big injuries, but always nicked up a little bit. Yeah, the word nagging injury has followed him around uh, quite steadily over the past few years. You know, when you're looking at the 91 slot, hey, if you get 300 at-bats and he hits 15 homers and he drives in you know, 40, 40 runs, 35, 40 runs. Now you you find yourself another outfielder to fill in the gaps and combine between the two, and then you probably have a pretty pretty decent player. And, you know, when you start looking at the 91, what do you want out of the 91st outfielder, Rich? Oh, true. All right, Tim, yeah. final questions on outfielder. Is there any chance, uh, assuming uh, Mike Trout gets injured, or, or excuse me, assuming Mike Trout does not get injured, is there any chance he's not the top outfielder by year end? I think there is only one one chance, or and, and that would be Argo? Carlos Gun Carlos yep. Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. Right I think if if Gonzalez can get in 600 at bats and he can hit the 30 home runs that we I believe he's capable of hitting. I think he's also quite capable of stealing 30 bases with an outstanding batting average. The only one that I can see knocking Trout off his perch would be Cargo. Yeah, Tim, when we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to try to bring this up as I'm talking, is I believe he had um, 26 home runs and some very small number of at-bats last year because it was pretty much the the first half of the year because he was pretty much injured the entire second half of the year. As I bring this up, and let me scroll down. In 391 at bats, Tim, 26 home runs, 21 stolen bases. I mean, that, I mean, you you don't have to squint a lot to see 40-40 there. Uh, no, there's there's huge potential out of cargo. It's all about whether he can get that 550 to 600 at bats in. And you know, coming off the uh, the thumb problem last year. Uh, uh, everything I'm reading is very, very positive heading into spring training, but it always is. Let's see him swing that bat uh, and show that that thumb is all all healed and ready to go. And uh, I think he's the only one that's got the potential to uh, move Mike Trout to the number two slot. So we're in agreement, violent agreement on that. Timmy, let's move the starting pitchers, and we'll do first half uh, today, and we're going to hit the second half next week because outfield and starting pitcher both basically need two shows to do that. So, Tim, most people in the industry, if you listen to any show, always say you can wait on starting pitcher. Don't have to take them early. Wait on a get even get 
wait till the 10th, 11th round in a 12-team or 15-team league. Don't worry about getting an ace. Give me your thoughts on where do you start to begin to pick up starting pitching? Well, I'm not saying that's, that can't be a successful approach, but I want an ace. I want a guy who's going to post a low threes ERA, who's going to strike out 200-plus batters. And if you want one of those pitchers, you ain't getting them after the 10th round. Your best hopes at that stage of the game are the Samarja types of the world, and you know you're not going to get the supporting ERA and whip. So uh, my strategy this year will be to take one of the top 10, try and acquire one of the top 10 starters in the first two, three rounds, probably wait until about round eight and grab one, and then stay away until about round 11, 12, and then go pitching, 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 and more pitching. And my one NFBC, I waited to the sixth round, Tim, and then I went Latos, Homer Bailey, and my buddy Jeff Samarge, I've stuck my neck out saying that he's going to be a sub-350, 200-strikeout guy. So not your low mm-hmm. three there, but I, I'm really bullish on him. I like that strategy a lot, but Tim, I'm right with you. I, I like getting one of the top 15 guys, getting that guy in the third or fourth round, and just locking that in. And a lot of it has to do with health. And again, you can sit there and say, well, yeah, a lot of guys are going to blow out their elbow, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I get all of that. But you also need, if you don't get a 200 strikeout guy, Tim, it's really hard to kind of compete in that strikeout category. Well, there are only so many guys that are going to post those numbers. And, you know, the one guy that surprised me this year at, you know, he's falling a little bit, and I can't understand for the life of me why, is Max Scherzer. I've actually picked him up towards the end of the third round in several drafts. And, Man, you, you give me a guy that's got 220-plus potential as far as strikeouts, you give him to me any time in the second, third, fourth round, I'm all over that. Gary Cole have 200 strikeout potential, Tim? Uh, yes. Uh, I don't think he does it this year. I think a couple years down the road. I, 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 I think you can pencil him in for uh, 170 this year. Yeah, it's just because of the potentially limiting innings a little bit? Yeah, I think that's definitely... Uh, Going to be uh, going to be a factor in, in in his results for the next couple of years, but as he grows uh, and you know puts in his, puts in his time, uh, yeah, I think down the road Gary Cole is a 200k guy. Um, also, Maine's can say make sure to get one of Rosenthal, Jansen, Chapman, Holland, and top six rounds. That's interesting, Tim. I mean, what you can do. And I did this again in the NFBC, not to say that I know what I'm doing, Tim. I, you know, I, I, I am on the radio, so some people have an assumption I know what I'm doing, but I, I'm, I am a full disclosure. I, I, I go very logically. I always have a plan. It sometimes doesn't work out. I decided to go with Kenley Jansen early in the NFBC to lock down 100 strikeouts. So in case I – because I wasn't going to get probably one of those top – tier pitching guys. I wanted to lock down some saves and I wanted to lock down 100 strikeouts and to hopefully fill in getting three guys with 170. That was my strategy there. Yeah, I think it's a a valid strategy. I've been approaching it that I want one of the top five guys, Kimbrell and the four guys that uh, Mainskin listed, because what I'm finding is you've got four or five top closers that are in an an elite group as far as I'm concerned. Great strikeout numbers, uh, they've got the job. They've, you know, they've they've got a good solid history. Maybe other than Rosenthal, the other four do. And I want a solid anchor because what I'm finding is, you know, you'll see one or two closers come off the board in the next three four rounds, and then all of a sudden, about round oh eleven or so, there's a mad dash to pick up the middle range of closer, 
And I don't want to be fighting for my first closer when everybody else or the bulk of people are diving in full bore. I'd rather just have that set aside, Mm. secure, and build a base upon it in those teen rounds. So, Tim, one other strategy I'm going to throw out to you, and I've done this successfully, uh, where I've taken a pitcher in the first round because he fell to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Back in the day, Justin Verlander, let's just say, just sitting there, and I like him the best, and I'm picking 14th, and I said, you know, I just want Justin Verlander. If you take a pitcher that early, don't you have to kind of double down, maybe even triple down to make sure that, you're going to win pitching because you've pretty much have decided to take that as opposed to a bat. Do you like that strategy or picking a Clayton Kershaw, let's say, in the first round and then waiting to the eighth or ninth round to pick another guy? I mean, if you're going to take a pitcher early, should you not, like, really take pitching? Yeah, I, I think if, if I was looking at taking Kershaw in the first round, I'd probably be looking at probably taking the best pitcher I can find about round four. I'd also be focusing very, very heavily on the speed element of the game. Let's face it, if you start looking at taking a pitcher in the first round, you're behind the eight ball in the power game, and I don't think you're ever going to get back to much more than a mid-tier level when it comes to home runs, RBIs, simply because all the big boppers are going off the board. You're in a hole right off the bat. So what I would do if I was looking at going at a heavy pitching strategy is I'd want to make sure that I had the stolen base category totally locked in. Yeah, and they go heavy with pitching. So, Tim, let's take a look at these first 12 guys. This will take us through round four. Clayton Kershaw obviously going number six. I like your thoughts a little bit on that. If that's too early, that's his ADP. Hugh Darvish, the second guy off the board. Max Scherzer and Jose Fernandez, I like your thoughts on him as well, all going in the second round. The third round, we got Adam Wainwright, Steven Strasburg, Felix Fernandez, Justin Verlander, and Cliff Lee. Because so you can see in the NFBC, People are trying to get one of their studs in that third round. And then coming in the fourth round is Mad Bomb, Chris Sale, whose arm will fall off at some point, Tim. We just don't know when. And then David Price coming in in the fourth round. What about a Clayton Kershaw in the first round and then a David Price in the fourth round, Tim? And that would be like a wicked strategy. Yeah, I, I, I like those two guys. I could also even go with uh, a couple of the pitchers that are going off the board in the fifth and sixth. But, yeah, if I was going to play, play the Kershaw thing, I, I think, you know, you look at I'd, Bumgarner and Price would definitely have my attention. Clayton Kershaw, would you take him as the sixth pick, Tim? No, I wouldn't, Rich. And it's not because I don't think the value isn't there. It's just not a strategy that I like playing. I would, I would prefer to go into the game myself personally with a with a bat and a and a five category bat and i think at that slot you're looking at uh, you're looking at cargo you're looking at mccutcheon possibly uh i would go with either one of those two just because it, it fits a game i like playing better but you can't fault anybody for moving kershaw you know moving on kershaw at that level you just have to be prepared to you know play that particular strategy Kershaw going as early as three and as late as 18. So uh, second guy is you Darvish. I don't think we have any discussion about that. Max Scherzer, three. Jose Fernandez, Tim. Jose Fernandez. I love Jose Fernandez, Tim. There's no way in God's green earth I'm taking him in the second round. Where Apparently you have to get him in the NFBC. The latest he is going is 41, which is somewhere in the third round. Tim, that's just too early given a guy's one year of limited history. I totally agree. You know, when you look, last year he put in 172 innings. It was a marvelous season. Uh, 
prior to that, he's got a total of 138 innings in, in professional ball. Uh, there's no way I am taking Jose Fernandez at, at that slot when there are so many proven commodities sitting just after him, Rich. You know, he, he had a great year. I think he's a great pitcher. But we're talking 172 innings. That's, that's not enough for me to invest at that level. Not even so, close. Totally agree. Totally different opinion in a dynasty league, but not in a redraft league. Mainskin is asking, Scherzer has improved walk rate over the last three years, uh, but I can't help to remember before 13 he was like Morrow. Unreal arm and strikeouts, but prone to big innings and disaster starts. Tim, Yeah, that was Max Scherzer before this year. But, man, he's really put it together and I think has learned to pitch. And people talk about pitchability versus just a thrower. And I think we've, we've seen the maturation of Max Scherzer going from somebody who just threw heat, hoped he knew where it was going, to a guy who could locate his pitchers better, who could command the balls a lot better, and realize if he does give up a double to buckle down and not give up a home run after that. Yeah, I have no concerns, no concerns at all with Max Scherzer moving into 2014. I, I, I think he is in the top three pitchers for a reason, and I think we're going to see more of what we saw last year. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's only a handful of pitchers that are capable of generating 250 strikeouts, and he's one of those pitchers. Tim in the. Uh... And the in that second band of uh, pitches, Adam Wayne right down to David Price. Um, Mad Bum looks like he's got really nice value there as a tenth pitcher off the board. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Madison Bumgarner. I I would actually wait around and probably take Bumgarner over Steven Strasburg at this stage of the game. I really like Steven Strasburg, but if I have to give him a round early, I'm with you. I'd rather have Mad Bum. But let's talk Cliff Lee, who's going to the ninth position, pretty much the same slot as Justin Verlander and Mad Bum. Uh, you know, Tim, it, you, the old adage, you can't chase wins, but as the great Marcus Potter will tell you, you have to use logic and risk analysis to determine what's the best chance of them to win. I just don't think there's much chance of Cliff Lee um, and Cole Hamels winning a lot of games in Philadelphia this year. I think he'll win more than he did in 2012, which was like four. But, uh, I mean, this is not a guy that I think he can pencil in 15 wins. It's probably more like 10 to 12 wins. Yeah, I I think uh, towards the top end of that, you're looking at 13 to 14 wins. Uh, when you start looking at all the other numbers uh, in comparison to his peers, yeah, I think it's the right spot for both of those guys. Uh, the only thing you have to realize is that you're not going to get, in all likelihood, 20 wins. It would take an amazing se- season to get 20 wins out of either one of those guys. Yeah, I just don't see a 10 plus. I, he's going to get traded. I mean, he, I mean, he and Cole Hamels are likely going to get traded. And you don't want them to get traded to the to the New York Yankees or something like that. Yeah, the win totals might go up, but their ERAs will blow up about a run a game. So, uh, so I'd be worried about that. Timmy, in the next group, we have the Grankster coming in in the fifth round, Cole Hamels in the fifth round, then Anibal Sanchez, Jordan Zimmerman, Michael Waka, and Iwakuma in the sixth round. Now, Iwakuma, we all got a lot of value in him last year. We were able to get him in the 10th or 11th round. Is Iwakuma going a little too early now? Well, based on what he's done, what we've seen, and that, that splitter, no, I think he's going in the right spot. It's just uh, our visions of uh, of getting a bargain, they're no, no longer there. He's proven he's a competent, high-end major league pitcher, and the bargain days are gone. Now, now you pay for what, uh, what you believe he's going to deliver, and I think he's in the right spot. Tim, I know we've talked about this gentleman before, um, 
a little bit the same logic with Jose Fernandez. Michael Waka, even shorter sample size than Jose Fernandez. So Michael Waka was really a September on phenomenon, a little bit like Xander Bogarts. How in the world can you take him with, as your first pitcher off the board, which you're probably doing if you get him in the seventh, as the 17th pitcher off the board, sixth round? To me, I mean, he might be the best pitcher in all of baseball, Tim. You cannot make that pick in the sixth round. Um, I know I can't. Uh, I don't have Cajonis big enough to make that pick, uh, Rich. Uh, not even not even at the best of times. You know, you're talking a very very small sample size. I, I have no doubts that the kid. You know, we, we've seen what he can do, but we're looking at a grand total of 106 innings pitched before his promotion. It doesn't get much smaller as far as sample size is concerned. And when you look at uh, grabbing Walk off the board in the sixth. Or do you want James Shields around later, Gio Gonzalez? Uh, how about Matt Cain? Going down, you can go all the way down the list. There are pitchers with solid, proven histories that I think are far better buys and better gambles than going with Waka as the number 17 off the board in the sixth round. You know, Waka, as you indicated, 106 innings in the minor leagues, which is a small sample size. But the guy, guy has skills, there's no, no doubt about it. A physical player at six foot six. Nice downward plane, a really nice fastball, great changeup, not a very good curveball. Everybody knows that. 64 and two-thirds innings pitched in the major leagues, Tim. 64 and two-thirds innings plus the postseason. That's what people are saying, gee, let's make him my top pitcher off the board or my high number two. Yeah, I, I have serious, serious trouble. You know, you start looking at the, the list just keeps going on and on of pitchers that have solid numbers and solid history. Hey, he could earn that, but I'm sure not going to be the one paying for it. Not, not at that price. Okay, so Marcus Potter is on the line for some reason. He says, don't pick up because my baby... I have my baby waking up and my voice is too loud. Yeah, Marcus has a tendency to scream a lot, so uh, I guess we won't pick him up. So, <laughs> so we've seen him at baseball games. He, he's right. He's very ferocious, isn't he? He's a very, he's a very calm and reserved guy. I think that, I think that's a bit of a stretch to say he's too loud. Timmy, in the next group, we've got uh, in the seventh and eighth and ninth round, we've got Garrett Cole, James Shield, Gio Gonzalez, Matt Latos, Mike Miner. And Matt Kane all in the seventh round, followed by Homer Bailey, Alex Cobb, Shelby Miller with St. Louis, Matt Moore sneaking down to the eighth, Chris Medlin in the eighth, and finally the 30th pitcher off the board in the ninth round is Julio Tehran. Give me a couple of those guys that you find the most interesting in that grouping. Well, I think if you're if you're looking at at, at safe, you got to look at James Shields, you got to look at Matt Latos, both solid pitchers. Um, Going down a little bit further, Chris Medlin, I think, is, uh, has, has proved that he is definitely a solid pitcher. I, I like all, th- all three of those guys. When, when I look at uh, Matt Cain at 24, he's got, he's got the potential to return as a seventh-round pick. Huge value, Rich. So you will see a couple of these pitchers, Tim, uh, next week as we talk about those players that went really high last year and have really fallen off. And Matt Moore and Chris Medlin are two of those guys that I find very, very interesting. Tell me about Alex Cobb. He's a guy that doesn't get a lot of pub at all, but he had a really good year last last year in Tampa Bay. Yeah, he did. And I don't see any reason why he can't repeat uh, 
when, when I look at the the list of pitchers falling in here, I, I will definitely uh, I own Cobb in one league I've already drafted in, and I'm targeting him in one of my auction leagues. Um, I like the I like the value. Uh, I think he's going to produce a solid year for the Rays. So taking a look real quick, uh, Timmy, what you, some of the things that we really like about uh, Alex Cobb, eight and a half strikeouts per nine that you like, less yep. than three walk ratio per nine. So anything less than three is really elite that you're taking a look at. So strikeout the walk ratio is at a solid three. Uh, ground ball machine, 56% ground ball rate. He was a little lucky last year, a higher strand rate, and the batting average of balls in play was a little low. So that 276 ERA, I mean, you can see a little push there, Tim, but, mm. man, I, that's a really solid uh, stat line, underlying stat line for 26-year-old Alex Cobb. Well, it sure is, and you look at the pitcher right above him, Homer Bailey, uh, uh, not not a slouch either, Rich. I, I like Homer Bailey this year. Uh I, I think we're going to see him crawl closer to the uh, to that elusive 200 uh, strikeout season. <clears throat> Tim, let's get to this next group, which I think uh, becomes a little bit more interesting because I mean we're looking at really solid pitchers, and then all of a sudden we get into some some fascinating uh, I, uh, players in this next grouping. These are we're looking at pretty much the top 40 guys we're going to go through. Number 31 comes Jared Weaver with your Angels in the 10th round. Also in the 10th round is Danny Salazar. We'll get to him. Your buddy, Mashahira Tanaka, in the 10th round. Tim, I think that's the guy we're going to see in the 7th round by the time the real drafts start, because I think he's going to keep going up and up. Tony Singrani in the 10th round. Hung Jin Ru in the 11th round. Andrew Kashner in the 11th round. Francisco Liriana in the 11th round. Patrick Corbin, 12th round. John Lester, 12th round. My buddy, Jeff Samarja, in the 12th round. And finally, number 41, Doug Fister, who's now moved over to the Washington Nats, also going in the 12th round. Tim, first of all, Danny Salazar. Get a lot of healing, a lot of talk on a lot of shows. Danny Salazar, the real deal or not? Yeah, I certainly believe he's the real deal. Uh, my, I have a question for you, Rich, because I, I know how much time you spent looking at these prospects. You look at this list, you see Walk at 17, you see Garrett Cole at 19, you see Danny Sal- Salazar at 32. Is one of those not like the other, and is is there a reason for that? Well, you know, I mean, part of it, Tim, is 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 Danny Salazar. I totally missed on as a prospect because he came back from Tommy John surgery. He's only 24 years old, had the stuff. I just wasn't sold on him because you know not a lot was known about him. He really hasn't pitched a lot, and Tim, he came out just throwing throwing bullets. And the thing that he's got is kind of what your buddy. Tanaka has, and he's got that fork ball splitter, whatever you call it, the alternative to the changeup. And mm-hmm. man, he absolutely was dominant in his short period up in the uh, up in the big leagues. Uh, only uh, 52 innings pitched, Tim, but 11 strikeouts per nine, throwing BBs at uh, 2.6. You don't like the size at six feet, so he doesn't get a lot of downward playing. So he could be homer prone. Seven home runs in those 52 innings kind of illustrates that. But the guy can bring it, and Tim, he's got a ball that nobody can hit, and that's that nasty splitter. Well, yeah, I, I just look at, you know, when you when you look at Cole, you look at Walker, and then you look at Salazar, uh, it leads to me to believe that if you're looking at young kids, that there might be a bit of a bargain in Sa- Salazar in relation to those other two young pitchers. Uh, Tim, you're right just from where you could get him, but i got to tell you, Tim, i I, I got to tell you, Garrett Cole's a real deal, man. In the seventh mm-hmm. round, I, I, I bet you by the end of this year, it's going to go Garrett Cole, Danny Salazar, drop Michael Walker. 
Wow. I, I agree with you on Garrett Cole. I really do. And uh, I just find it fascinating, though, that there is so much love for those two as compared to Salazar, who I think has got almost as much potential as those two. Well, I mean, he is, Tim. And, again, it's he doesn't have the physicality of those other two guys. That's the okay. only difference. I mean, six feet tall, 190 pounds. This is not a big dude. Uh, Marcus Potter, Rich. Lance Lynn is legit. Okay, well. <laughs> okay, Lance Lynn is legit, absolutely. The great Marcus Potter has said that. Uh, big guy, I, I don't know. I think he's his curveball's not very good, Tim. What can I tell you? Well, yeah, and I think he's legit, too, for the 52 slot. 15 yeah. rounds, that's legit. Yeah, okay, there you go. Uh, let's see, where are we, Tim? What about uh, Tony Singrani, a guy that was up and down last year, a guy very similar in his stuff to Michael Waka, going a lot later than Michael Waka. You don't like the uh, ballpark that he's in, but Tony Singrani, when he pitched last year, Tim, did okay. Oh, yeah, he was uh, he was bordering on flat-out dominance when, when he was pitching. Uh, you know, if you can get... Uh, 175, 180 innings out of Tony Singrani. You're going you're to have quite. Uh, you're going to have quite the pitcher. Uh, you know, it's well documented. He's he's a two-trick pony, but he does it exceptionally well. Uh, hides the ball. I, I like Singrani. I really do. But you know, looking at Tanaka at 33, that's blasphemy. He's got to be a top 10, Rich. Come on. <laughs> 14 home runs given up by Tony Singrani. That was his only kind of mark. Other than that, over 10 strikeouts per nine. Walk rate not the greatest at 3.7 in 104 innings, but 14 home runs, which you don't like. Ball's a little flat, Tim. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's the only negative. But, I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, you, you learn. You, he's a young kid, so that, that, could, uh, that could improve. Hunjin Root, uh, Timmy Lefty, I know you like him a lot. I think he's uh, fairly valued in the 11th round. I've never been a big fan of Rue. I just believe that eventually he's gonna, that the league's going to catch up to him. Yeah, I think my my problem with Rue is, is you know the condition that he's that he that he's in. I I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain his success for a long period of time. But I think he's great value in the eleventh round. The two pitchers in this group that concern me the most by a long shot are the two coming in at thirty seven and thirty eight, Rich, and that's Liriano and Corbin. Lariana and say I'm sorry, Marcus Potter got me uh, distracted. Tim Cooney for deep NFBC draft and holds. He's absolutely right on that. You said Liriana at number 37. Tim, the, the, a crazy breakout year. Who was the other guy? Patrick Corbin. Uh, August and September were not very kind to young Mr. Corbin. They were not. So are you saying that Francisco Liriano is a guy that you you don't like in in, in, in I, let's see you don't like in 2014. Yeah, I, I, you know, how many years has Luriano posted an ERA under five, not including last year? I think you have to go back to his rookie campaign. Yeah, no, Tim, and this is not like a breakout guy. This is a guy that had remarkable stuff, goes in for Tommy John surgery, never really recovered after Tommy John surgery, goes to Pittsburgh, finds it all together. Everything looks good, Timmy, but you're saying no. Well, I just think there is way too much, way too much risk. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking there's going to be regression out of Liriano, and I'm just not prepared to invest that highly in him. And Patrick Corbin, how long is it before if he gets off to a, a slow start? How, you know, how long is it going to be before we see Archie Bradley pitching in that rotation in, in his slot? Wow, you're that down on, on Corbin. Let's, let's first let's talk Francisco Liriano. If I'm taking a look at a stat, Tim, 
the problem that he's had, he's, the strikeouts have been there. I think we can all agree to that. The mm-hmm. problem is his walk rate was 4.3, 5.0, and then finally last year he drops down to 3.5. He's always been a bit of a ground ball machine, but he finally got his command. He actually got his control under control last year to be able to throw strikes, and that's what made the difference. You're saying that you don't, you're not buying that, uh, that command has been fixed, so that's, that's where you are. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking it's an outlier at this stage of the game. I, 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 I don't know how he managed to get his numbers more into a career, you know, career acceptable line last year after seeing so many years of failure, and I'm just not prepared to pay for it. All right, talk to me about Patrick Corbin. Well, I think the numbers speak from them for themselves. Once he got into August. He was not the same pitcher that we saw in April, May, June, and July. I believe his ERA in September was north of seven. Uh, is that a case of simply wearing down in a rookie campaign? Or is Patrick Corbin not quite the Patrick Corbin? I don't think he's a Patrick Corbin we saw in the first four months of the season. I think he's somewhere in between. But when you look at a pitcher who's going in the top 40, that's just a little bit too much risk, especially with Archie Bradley chasing him. Yeah, I intend, but the, they need pitching all around. I mean, if you take a look at Patrick Corbin, I mean, he did have a great year. He did give up a few too many home runs. Uh, against lefties, he was po- totally dominant, though, a 203 average. Mm-hmm. Righties was okay at 249, but you're right, that uh, 513 ERA in August and the 704 ERA in September really drove his overall ERA up, and it looks like it was simply a home run situation, 10 home runs in those last uh, 63 innings, Tim, and that's what killed him. I mean, yes, you could, you, what you don't know, Tim, is did he get tired? Or did he simply, uh, the league, start to figure him out? And he was never a a really highly rated um, prospect. If you take a look at his stuff, I mean, he throws 92 miles an hour, which you like as a, you know, as a, for velocity with a left-hander. I'm looking at his uh, pitch outcomes here. Let's see what his... um, so his his slider is his money pitch. He's getting 27% whiffs on that. And his changeup is pretty good as well. So, you know, he's got good secondary pitches, Tim. I don't know. Yeah, well, I those are those are the two out of that group that concern me the most and probably the two that I'll simply be staying away from because with the options further down the list, uh, I think about round 11 I could probably use a, a relief pitcher or two. Uh, okay, let's see. Let's go. To, what I'm going to pick one more question out of here, Tim. So let's go okay. with. Let's see, three pitchers. Um, hmm. Well, give me one or two pitchers. Hmm. No. I'm looking. At, I'm trying to do something that we just covered, Timmy. So all right. Okay. So let's 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 go a little deeper then. So three pitchers after the top fifty that you think are value picks, and we'll kind of tease everybody with those. Well, you know, I, I, I keep looking at this list, and there's one name that I don't see on this list, Rich. Where's Sonny Gray? I don't know. He's not on the list. Yeah, I, I can't I can't find him any, anywhere, but Sonny Gray is a pitcher that I definitely like, and I, I'd have to assume that somewhere he just, got, he just got missed on their ADP list because he's got to be going, I would think, probably in the top 40. You know, I bet you what he is, Tim. I bet you he's, he's listed as a relief pitcher. Oh, I bet yes. you that's what they have. The old dreaded relief pitcher. Let me oh. let me go real quickly into that. Let me take a look at Gray, Sonny Gray. That's Jonathan Gray, 
Nope, he is definitely listed as a uh, as a reliever. Uh, so just uh, bear with me, everybody, as I go to all the pitchers here, all the players, and let's go with Gray. And Sonny Gray is going in the pick 156, so he's going in the 10th round, uh, Timmy, right behind okay. Hunjin Rue. Okay, that seems that seems to be about the right, right spot. I, I like Gray. It was just something that I... I figured he's got to be in here somewhere, but then I saw Niftali Feliz is listed under the starting pitchers, so that explains it. Okay, so give me give me two other guys, Timmy. Okay, two other guys. Uh, we're looking at top top after fifty. 50. After 50, okay, well I'm going to go I'm going to go with Jose Quintana being one, uh-huh. and he's way outside the top fifty. I'm going to go with Brandon Beachy, and I'm also going to put Irvin Santana in there. Uh, I think all three of those pitchers. Irvin Santana? Uh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, hate Irv- I hate Irvin Santana. Tim, may I? I have to emote. You could be absolutely right. You're the great Tim McLeod. I hate Irvin Santana. I'm going to tell you why. First of all, he never gets upset. He can give up a, a home run that goes 800 feet, and he says, mm-hmm. uh, give, me, give me the ball back. I, I threw a bad pitch. And he'll give up another one. He drives me insane. I cannot stand owning this guy. I hate to watch him pitch. I, I, Tim, I'm, I'm never going to own him again. Sorry. Other than that, he's fine. <laughs> Other than that, he's fine. I don't even. I don't. I simply ignore his stat lines, Tim, because he's one of these guys that's up and then he's down and he's up. Yeah, he had a great pick, uh, park to pitch, and he's not even signed this year. Where's he going to pitch? Well, you know, he's going number seventy-four off the board, which puts him going after Jake Peavy, Alex Wood, Giovanni Gallardo. Uh, Jared Parker. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. I, I think there's value at that uh, at that stage of a draft. You give me Santana in the 20th round, and I'll hey, I'll be all over that. Wow, that's interesting. Taking a look at his stat line, Timmy, uh, the the strikeout rate is below seven. He's last year did not walk anybody. 2.2 uh, mm-hmm. was able to keep the home runs under control. That's always been his big bugaboo. And in 2012, he gave up. Um, Two home runs per nine. Last year was his 1.1 per nine. And he did get a little lucky. His batting average of balls in play was a little depressed. So that 324 ERA is probably more closer to 375, uh, depending on where he goes to. So, I mean, there's probably value in the 20th round, Tim. I, I, just, I just despise owning him. Okay, he is your Scott Baker. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, Demi. <laughs> okay, who else? What about Mr. Dan Straley in the uh, the 19th round? I'd rather have Dan Straley than Irvin Santana. I saved, that, I saved that one for you. I saw Straley sitting there, and I thought, no, nah, no, nah, Rich is going to bring that one up. Good call, Tim. I'll pat myself on the back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like Straley. I think what you're looking at, if you look at from about the 17th through to the 20th round, you're looking at, what, 25, 30 pitchers all bunched up in one huge pack. And let's face it, when you've got that many pitchers in that same range, there, hey, there's going to be some breakouts in, in there, and there's also going to be some great great values. Dan Heron at 65 after that second half in the 18th round. Nothing wrong with Dan Heron in the 18th round, Rich. And he gets a lot of chance for uh, some wins, too, sitting in Los Angeles. Guys, that's it for starting pitchers. We, we talked for a half hour about that. Spent probably another half hour on the outfielders. So next week we're going to dive even deeper on starting pitchers because it is so deep and a lot of our listeners play in, in deeper leagues. So it's going to be fun to kind of go deep on that. But, Tim, that's it. We're going to wrap it up with my surprise game here. Are you ready? I am ready to roll, Rich. Uh, and hopefully – to our listening audience, I do you justice. 
Okay, so Timmy, you and I have been working together for four years. You've never been paid a dime for me, correct? That is absolutely correct, Rich. Uh, I, I, I still have that cherished Dice K baseball that is sitting about a foot and a half away from me, and I thank you much, muchly for that. But no, but, no, I, but never, never hard, hard, cold cash. Whether it's Canadian or American cash, I've never given you money to say, Tim, for services rendered. Correct? That is totally correct, Rich. Today is your lucky day, Tim. It is Groundhog Day, and to honor Groundhog Day. I'm going to send you $100, Tim, for all the great work you've done. It's $25 a year, Tim. I just want to say thank you. I've been magnanimous as Rich Wilson, sending you $100 in hardcore cash. Well, you know, Rich, I greatly appreciate that. I didn't get into this uh, for the money in the first place. It's been a wonderful four-year run talking the game up with you. And anything over and above is certainly a bonus and greatly appreciated. Now, Tim. You, again, you've heard the game, let's make a deal, right? Of course I have. So, Tim, how would you like to take that $100 and potentially go with door number one? Shall I tell you what's behind door number one? Oh, you're gonna, oh we got three doors here, don't we? Oh, you no, it's, just, okay. it's, just one, it's just one door, Tim. Mm, okay. Behind door number one is I find myself going to Las Vegas in exactly three weeks. In one day, Tim, I will be there on the 24th through the 26th. Tim, you know what they have in Las Vegas. They have the ability to make any kind of bet you want, take that $100 and turn that money potentially into thousands of dollars, Tim. All you have to do is tell me how you want me to bet that money, and I will, Tim. It's no, I mean, it's, it's not money that you even thought that you were getting. I'll take that $100, and I will put it on whatever bet you want. Are you willing to make that deal, Tim? Uh, are there any more options, or is this the end of the line here, Rich? Well, no, no, Tim. That's so. So you can you can say I'll take half of that, or whatever. But Tim, let me throw a little spin on this and make put a little yeah. bit more pressure on you. Okay. If you go decide, for it. and I'm probably breaking all kinds of laws doing this, but I I, I will admit to never doing this if, I, if the the uh, attorney general comes to me. I'm going to take that $100, and if you decide to, to say, yes, I will bet that $100 or part of that, I will let our listeners to write in to me at prospect361 at gmail.com, a new email address, prospect361 at gmail.com. And the first 50 people who write in with two to three sentences as to what, how Tim should bet that money, how Tim should bet that money, and it, it's going to be on, I'm assuming, a, a, a team to win, the, to win the World Series or make it into the playoffs, something like that. I, hopefully we can make a $50 or $100 bet. I'll let you split it into two, Tim. And what I'll, let, I'll then send the top 50 items to you sometime this week. And if you pick one of those, Tim, not only will I, I, I put a money down on you, but I will also match that for one of our listeners. So, for instance, if you say a listener calls in and gives you really good reason why you should bet on the Seattle Mariners, and you say, I was so compelled to bet on the Seattle Mariners, Rich, put everything on $100. If Joe Blow writes that in, Tim, he's got another $100 on the Seattle Mariners. Hey, we got to go with the listeners, Rich. We really do. Uh, you know, I, I didn't get into this. Uh, I didn't get into this for the money, but to give the listener that opportunity, Rich, I am all in, totally all in. So, if the listeners uh, send send me your best, because I promise you, I will use 
one of your suggestions. And it, again, so, so this is the rule. We will allow you to, to take two bets of $50 a piece. Tim, and I have no idea if, if, it, if you're allowed to bet to, to have a team get to the playoffs or if it's always mm. got to be on the World Series. So we might have to do an audible when my kids in Las Vegas. I might call you and say, here's our options. But whoever has it will still try to get the team involved and, and things like that. I'm glad you agreed to do this, Tim. Otherwise, the bit wouldn't be any fun. <laughs> so <laughs> Exactly. I, I want the listeners involved. We've got a great group, and I am really looking forward to uh, – to seeing some of those emails and seeing why, Rich, uh, I should go with their suggestion. And like I said, I will go with with with, the, with one of the suggestions that comes in. Okay, so again, send me your email, prospect361 at gmail.com. I'll put it into a nice little chart for Tim to very easily read. And uh, next Sunday, he's not going to tell me. Next Sunday, he'll come on the air and say, this is the bet I'm making, and a lucky person's name will be revealed. As you guys send them to me, I am not going to respond back, got it or anything like that. Just send it to me. You will not get a response back from me. But just know that I'm honest as the day as long as you're one of the first 50 in. You get to play in the game. Otherwise, you don't get to play. So just know that I'm going to cut it off at 50. But I don't want to sit, Tim, I don't want to sit there and spend up 500 emails saying, sorry, you're too late, because I know that's what's going to happen. Just... Yeah, I was going to say, it, it almost sounds like it's got the potential, much along the same lines as when you announced the leagues were forming, Rich, and we really don't want you reading through 872 emails, do we? Right. Two or three sentences. If it's more than three sentences, you are disqualified. If I see three paragraphs as to why Tim should bet on the, uh, on the Texas Rangers, uh, you get disqualified. We want it in three sentences or less, right, Tim? Exactly, and I don't want to see 11 commas in that sentence, okay, guys? Let's be reasonable here. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so that's our little game. Again, I'm sure I'm breaking some kind of international law, or international law, probably some state law. Hopefully, Tim, we can pull this off. So I'm out a maximum of $200, but I feel so confident that you guys are going to win and that, Tim, you will pay me back the initial $100, that it's all going to be good because you could pay a uh, 100-to-1 a uh, hundred to one team and, and rake in some serious dollars. Well, yeah, and either way, Rich. Hopefully, next fall in Arizona, we can sit down over supper and <laughs> have an incredibly good chuckle over the whole series of events while watching the Arizona Fall League. Exactly, exactly. So that's our little game, uh, Tim. Thanks for being a good sport and uh, and, and playing along with us. Uh, Tim still hasn't gotten paid for me yet, but <laughs> hopefully one day, one day we'll get some advertisers, Tim, and then we can actually start paying you a little bit of money so you feel like you're actually doing something. Anyway, Tim, tell us what you've got going on this week. Well, it looks like we got the first, uh, we got catcher up on the site. Uh, we got the first base rankings coming this week. Uh, looking down the road, uh, Sunday mornings, uh, I'm back on chatting up the game with uh, Lenny, Tony, and Mike over on Sirius. And uh, that's pretty much it. We should have the, our whole draft kit out and done by, oh, I would say probably the third week of the month. And I've got my top ten sleepers that hopefully will be done sometime in about the next week, week and a half, Rich. That's wild, Tim. you got a lot going on, man. Well, yeah, on top of that, I'm getting ready for league drafts. And, uh, hey, there's a lot happening. It's it's that time of the year where we ramp it up and try and deliver our best for all of our listeners and readers. Guys, if you're going to read my stuff, it's prospect361.com. We've come out with our top 100s and uh, all the prospects, top prospects in all the different leagues. 
Uh, this week I also came out with uh, those prospects that just missed. I'm probably going to do a podcast just by myself, a very short one over the next two weeks, that really going to talk very, very deep guys, kids, really young kids, 17, 18-year-old guys out there that people in very, very deep dynasty leagues probably need to, to pay attention to. And this is going to be a half hour. I just kind of run through some names and talk about some of those guys. And so expect that over the next couple of weeks, and I will send out a tweet on that. Again, if you want to follow us on Twitter, at TimothyLMC, at TimothyLMC, and at RichWilsonFSG. Timmy, we did it. We're done in an hour and a half and less. We did yeah, it. Yeah, this, this concludes our... Five and a half hour week, Rich. Uh, it's got to be a record breaker, but it was a lot of fun. And I thank you for allowing me to partake in the prospect chat on Thursday. Had a blast. Tim, I tell you, if there's one show that gets downloaded the most, it will be that show. People love to, because it's a different kind of thing. And people will download it and then listen to it and listen to it again and listen to it again because they, there's a lot of like really important nuggets in there because everybody wants to know about those names that they might not have heard of that are going to be here in the next couple of years or hopefully this year. And that's, that can be a real big advantage to your fantasy team. Yeah, definitely. And with the way Dynasty Leagues are taking off right now, uh, and that site that Alan has started up uh, you know, on Facebook is a prime example. You know, people are flocking to, the, you know, to that site to get information, answer questions. I'd, I'd suggest when you do decide to do that short podcast, post it over there, Rich, because definitely you'll see, some, uh, <coughs> you'll see a boost in the chat room, that's for sure. Yeah, and I always forget about Facebook, Tim. I, I'm not a Facebook guy. So though I did go out to Facebook this week, I was out in California all week, and I was visiting a lot of uh, the, the Valley companies. And Facebook was a fascinating venture, Tim. Uh, my first time kind of in the back rooms where all the magic happens. And, okay. and the, the uh, accoutrements, I guess is the right way to put it, of uh, Facebook, it literally looks like they put up the building on Monday, finished pouring the concrete on Monday, and people moved on on Tuesday. There's no carpets. There's no artwork. There's no desk. It's just tables with big monitors on it and, and uh, power cables hanging down from the ceiling, and people are plugged in, Tim. But everybody there is, like, freaking brilliant. And it's, uh, it was a hoot. I had a blast. Uh, people running around their pajamas, liquor like you would not believe, Tim. I mean, the fully stocked bars at every kind of, let's call it 20 or 30 workstations that would be kind of grouped together. They would have a full tables with full liquor on it all, all over the place. It was, it was great. <laughs> so. it's, did Mark take you out for lunch by any chance, or you didn't I, get to I, that stage? Uh, they had just released their earnings, and unfortunately, I just got a chance to briefly talk to him, and he, he turned me over to a couple of his brilliant uh, associates, and that's who I was really there to talk to. So I only got two or three minutes to talk to him, and we chatted about some things, and, and uh, yeah, so we, we've run into each other in the past, so it was, uh, it was good to see him, and he did take time out between interviews of, of Facebook, like doubling their stock price or something like that. So, so as, as I was earning my $20 a day, he was earning about $20 billion in that same day. So. <laughs> yeah, Facebook has done rather well lately, if I'm not mistaken. They they have indeed, uh, Tim, and it, and it was fun. I went to a lot of other companies. I won't bore everybody, <laughs> but uh, three days of, uh, of of hanging out and and being an old man, Tim. I felt so old. I mean, I I thought I looked really cool. I was dressed <laughs> in my my nice jeans, and you know, I always wear my five uh, Levi five hundred ones. That's where I wear every all the time with a nice shirt. And people were <laughs> coming in pajamas, and I, I felt I felt like an old man. <laughs> well, you know what? I, 
I, I see even in my neck of the woods, pajamas are becoming public uh, public fare. And I don't know, I, I must be getting old because you ain't going to catch me wearing my wrapper PJs out in public. Ain't going to happen, Rich. So it's funny, my, my wife and I were in the, we were in Washington visiting my son this weekend. We had a chance to go to the Cosmo Club, which is this high-end, like really elite social club. And it was really funny because, Tim, denim, specifically on the invitation, denim not allowed, right? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I have anything that's non-denim, right? Because I'm, I'm in the technology world. That's what you wear. And I had to wear a tie and a jacket, and, you know, everybody was, like, smoking stogies. And, it, and I was thinking of Facebook. I was there four days earlier thinking, I've seen, like, people that were – that were worth you know fifty million dollars in pajamas, and here I am with all these aristocrats who are probably worth fifty million dollars as well. But they're all in like fancy clothes. It was it was definitely a culture shock to me. <laughs> well, I can imagine. I uh, you know I, I wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have my jeans. I'd have to break out my cords, and I ain't going there. Yeah, so I I, I I defied everything. I didn't wear underwear, Tim. So I went I went uh, cam- what do you, what do you call it, camo or something like that. So so in case. Yeah, you know, people were wondering. I had a nice jacket and a pair of pants on, but I had no underwear on. Sometimes I felt, I felt, I, I felt that was my way of re- rebelling. Oh, living on the edge, Rich, is so risky. Yeah, very, very good. Okay, Timmy, we will see you next Sunday. Hopefully, we'll get one of our third partners. It's time to bring either Ian or Perry or, or, or Marcus back, and uh, we'll have a, a fun time talking more pitching and then talking about those guys who may be going a little too late this year as opposed to where they went last year. Timmy, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a good one, Rich. Thanks. All right. Bye now.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.